0: So if people are thinking about what are the job opportunities of the future, I would say there's blue collar and there's white collar opportunities in anything that touches any of those sectors. We do not have enough people to install all the heat pumps that need to be installed or install commercial solar, utility scale solar, like storage is another component, electrify buildings, develop electrical infrastructures for EVs, like EV charging stations. We're going to need a huge labor force to do all of that. And then on the white collar side, there's all the analytical skills and project management skills that are going to be needed for those same job categories. So I think that's going to be an absolutely huge opportunity. Hi, everyone.
1: Welcome to Looking Forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi everyone! Did you know that buildings are responsible for 40% of greenhouse gas emissions? And that of all the buildings that will exist in 2040, two-thirds already exist today? Well, it turns out that creates enormous opportunities for those who want to remove the carbon from those buildings. My guest expert, Owen Barrett, serial entrepreneur and the founder and president of Raven, speaks with me about these opportunities and much more. On this episode, to learn more about Owen, please listen to the episode and check the show notes. Now, before we get started, I want to say a few words about our sponsor, Superpass. Do you make podcasts, video courses, or other content? Well, that means you need your own engaging website and mobile app for everything you make. And Superpass can help. Turn your followers into superfans and paid customers. Elevate your brand with your own stunning website and mobile app. And with SuperPass, it's never been easier. SuperPass is the most powerful content app maker on the market. And now you can try it for free. Or, like me, you can be on one of their other plans. Enter code LOOKING FORWARD, all one word, all caps, LOOKING FORWARD, and get a 10% lifetime discount on any of their plans. Go to superpass.com. That's super with an A, superpass.com. And hey, if you want us to mention your organization on the show, please contact us for more details. Okay, let's get started. Well, hi, Owen. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers.
0: Hi, thanks for having
1: me. Well, it's a delight to have you because you're involved in something that is so important for mankind. And that's not an understatement. We're going to be talking more about that. And it's also something that is so global. I mean, Owen, I've had some topics on the show that were somewhat global, and there are others that are extremely global in nature, and yours is one of them. Owen, you're an expert and you're an entrepreneur on using clean technology to help fight climate change. I'd like to start, by asking you when and why you first decided to get involved in the
0: clean technology space. What motivated you to do this and when? Yeah, I think it was my summers in between college. I was pretty directionless in high school and college. I had (laughs) no idea. I think like a lot of kids, no idea what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I went to college for finance and I don't really know how it happened, but I was starting to orient my life towards the primary goal of making money. And so I thought a logical jump from business school or business undergraduate school would be into investment banking. I also played soccer at college and I loved rock climbing. I still do it as much as I can. And I was fortunate enough to get a summer job teaching rock climbing in California. And so I taught all four years in between college time. I would move to California, teach rock climbing. I'd spend you know, literally every second of the day outdoors, sleeping in the dirt, camping, hiking, climbing, like doing everything right around Yosemite. And it, I don't know exactly when, but at some period over those four years, I decided my primary goal in life cannot be just maximizing money. It has to be like I'm. I love the outdoors. I love spending time outdoors. Now I have kids. I love exposing them to the outdoors. Sure. I have to somehow figure out a way to align my passion for protecting the environment with my career and it took a long time to do that it didn't happen right away but with enough time and enough hard work it all fell into place and when did you actually actuate that yeah so after college i i got a job in finance i graduated with a finance degree ended up in finance in san francisco I graduated with a finance degree in 2008, which as some people in the audience can probably remember, not a great time to graduate at all, let alone with a finance degree. But I was lucky. I got a job. It was within that first year of working that I really identified, like, I'm a finance nerd. I love Excel, but I hated what I was doing. So I wanted to try and pivot into clean tech or sustainability, green buildings, this is 2009 2010 this is 13 years ago this is way before really climate change net zero sustainability corporate social responsibility like any of these things were big ideas and so i learned hard lesson that it was really hard to get a job in sustainability with a degree in finance now that's not the case but it was 13 years ago so then i went to grad school for environmental science and management and my thinking there was if I take this like financial acumen and couple it with a really thorough understanding of sustainability and climate science, that I could find a job, ideally on the corporate sustainability side. And that's exactly what happened. I got a job as a an energy manager for a Fortune 100 company in San Diego. That's how I ended up in San Diego.
1: Okay. You have decided more recently to focus on, on the decarbonization of commercial real estate. There are many ways of going about dealing with climate change, addressing it. What made you decide with your company, Raven, to focus in that
0: particular space? That's a great question. Raven is actually an iteration of a previous business that started called ZE Capital, which did the same thing, bought and decarbonized buildings. But we got our equity with that business model from private equity, family offices, things like that. So groups writing really big checks. Raven is doing the same thing, but we're trying to crowdsource our equity. So we pay retail investors 10% annual interest, they can invest as little as 250 bucks. And we pool their money to buy and decarbonize buildings. The idea to do that was really like threefold, maybe. One was that from a global perspective of greenhouse gas emissions, buildings are responsible for 40%. It's the largest piece of the pie naturally, mm-hmm. I wanted to go after the biggest problem. Within that 40%, there's the construction of buildings and there's the operation of buildings. And on the construction side, there's a lot of progress being made on making sure that we build new buildings the right way, which is hugely important. Yeah. But there's another statistic and that's of all the buildings that exist in 2040, two thirds already exist today. Mm-hmm. So... If we're only focused on building new buildings the right way, we're missing the biggest part of the biggest piece of global greenhouse gases. And so that was like, that was my number one reason. This is the biggest piece of the global emissions. And it's really not being talked about, not being discussed, not being not being decarbonized fast enough. The other piece was after being in different aspects of clean technology and sustainability for about six years... I developed this hypothesis that we have all the technology in the world we need to solve climate change. The problem is deployment. We just can't deploy it fast enough. And we can't deploy it fast enough because people don't have the time, people and companies don't have the time, don't have the resources. They're dumb. They don't believe in climate change. And there's a variety of other reasons. And so I started really thinking about how can I speed up The deployment and after thinking about that problem for probably close to a year it finally dawned on me that if i buy the real estate if i own it i don't have to convince anybody to decarbonize there's no sales cycle there's nothing it's way more capital intense than a lot of other business models but i'd argue it's the most efficient an effective way to decarbonize existing buildings is just to become the owner. So it was it was 7 years or so in clean technology and sustainability of really getting frustrated. We have all these technologies, why can't we deploy it faster? And then just being stubborn. <laughs> I think that's yeah. like the best trait of an entrepreneur. If you identify a problem and you just can't let go of it, you have to solve that problem. I'm really stubborn and I got really frustrated by how slowly we're deploying clean tech. And so I'm doing everything in my power to, to solve that.
1: Very good. And it also reminds me of something that is in the title of Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. And you hit on an obstacle, but that actually led you to another path, which was, you know what? I got to buy these properties myself. So I'm yeah. going to expedite the, the process. And when you talked about people not believing in climate change, when we we're taping this is just after we've come through the hottest month <laughs> on record, July, and also the hottest day on record, July 6th, globally, globally. Yeah, yeah. So so we know we've got a very serious problem here. Yeah, I would agree. When it comes to trends, which is a big focus, Ellen, of looking forward, I could have you talk about trends that are out there trying to address climate change. That might be too big a topic for you. I'll let you decide which one you want to handle here. Or I could just have you talk about trends that are out there to decarbonize commercial real estate. You pick it, but what are some of the big trends that are going on out there?
0: I think the biggest trend in the U.S. at least is the Inflation Reduction Act. That is the biggest piece of legislation ever passed to combat climate change. So I think it's about, I think Biden wanted it to be over a trillion dollars and it got whittled down to about 600 billion. I think the one of the best things And this is unfortunate, but one of the best things about how the legislation was written is the Democrats were very aware that we're moving into an election cycle and a lot of things can be undone if a different president is elected, if control in the Senate flips. And so they drafted a lot of the pieces of the Inflation Reduction Act so that funds have to be spent by September 30th, 2024, which is the end of the fiscal year for the U.S. government. So basically, there's nothing anybody can do. Like these funds are out the door. They're going to go to work. I think it was genius. There's a huge amount of money to decarbonize the built environment. There's tax credits and there's rebates. There's a huge amount of tax credits for renewable energy and storage. And so I think if you take renewable energy, storage energy efficiency, electrification, electric vehicles, these are just, these are like tidal waves. You cannot stop. And they're just going to get even more important. And the market share of all of these companies and opportunities is gonna grow over the next 10 years because whether or not people agree with it, there's $600 billion of incentives, subsidies, tax credits that is just pushing everything forward. So I think it's a super exciting time to be in this space.
1: It sounds like it is. You mentioned the $600 billion allotted because of the change, the legislative change, the budget in the United States. The world beyond the United States is grappling with this, too, and there are commercial real estate properties all over the world. And we're also a globally focused podcast. When you think about trends, you mentioned this one big trend, which is there's this big push
0: now to make it happen. What are you seeing outside of the United States, Owen? I think outside of the U.S., it's even bigger, not across the board. There's a lot of developing countries where decarbonization, even though they're going to feel the brunt of climate change, probably the fastest and the worst, decarbonization is just not on their priority list because they've got a lot of other things they're working on. But if you look at developed nations across the world, I would say most of them are actually doing a better job at decarbonizing than the U.S. And that's because climate change has not been politicized in a lot of other countries like it has been in the U.S. It's the one topic, probably that in education. Maybe there's a couple other ones. Healthcare, I guess. There's some big ones that should not be politicized. It just doesn't make any sense. But there's, there's special interests involved. And at the end of the day, if the renewable energy market Moves forward, then that means you're taking away from the fossil fuel industry, you're taking away from the utilities, etc. So there's momentum against this net zero economy, but across the globe, it's happening. And I think in a lot of countries, it's actually happening faster than it is in the US. Interesting. Are you aware
1: of other ravens, other Owen Barretts (laughs) that are out there in these other countries that say, you know what, Owen's doing this stuff, but we've been doing it for the last four years or whatever? Are you unique in what you're doing here in the U.S. and hopefully yeah, yeah, elsewhere.
0: I've never heard, yeah, I've never heard of an international Raven or an international Owen. Not to say that they're not out there. I just have not heard of it. Although we did just get interviewed by a reporter in the U.K. and she had never heard of anything like it. So maybe that's one anecdotal data point. Within the U.S., there's a couple other similar companies to Raven. Not in the a big thing that we're trying to tackle within Raven, aside from decarbonization, is trying to give everyday people access to real estate investments. And not only real estate investments, but net zero real estate investments. And the reason why is the bulk of the opportunity in real estate investing is done through SEC exemptions, which only let accredited investors invest. And in accredited investors, someone with a million dollar net worth, not including their primary residence, or they make two to $300,000 a year, the majority of Americans are not accredited investors. So to have this investment opportunity that's only allowed for a minority of Americans doesn't quite seem fair. There's a different SEC exemption called Regulation A that allows us to take investment from non-accredited investors. We're trying to decarbonize, but we're also trying to democratize the ability to invest in real estate. There's a couple other ravens out there that are focused on decarbonizing real estate through ownership. A couple in the industrial space, And then actually Tom Steyer, the billionaire, just announced, like I think three or four months ago, a group called Galvanize Energy Solutions that's doing exactly what we're doing in multifamily. So I like to say Tom Steyer stole our business model, which I'm okay with. (laughs) We need other people doing this. It's not just going to be us. Yeah, you can't do it
1: by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Are there approaches that are taking place, Owen, in other parts of the world that you think are admirable or innovative? In terms of addressing the kinds of problems that you're talking about here?
0: So I can't speak to specifics necessarily, but I think more generally, the U.S. is very bureaucratic and it's very hard to get developments off the ground. A lot of times, not always. You can have utility-scale solar, utility-scale wind farms that are going to have massive environmental impacts in a good way, and they get held up because some sequa or NEPA requirement hasn't been done or hasn't been done right or hasn't been done fast enough. Or some environmental group is upset that there's two endangered frogs on the ground where they're going to put a gigawatt of solar. And so I just think there's nuances to America that don't exist overseas. A lot of people, China is a great example. China is deploying solar at an unbelievable rate because they basically just say, we want to do this and we're going to do it. And there's not going to be any of this bureaucratic red tape that's going to hold us up from doing it so i think sometimes certain things that were put in place in america are taken to the extreme and actually hold up progress sometimes environmentalists that are really committed to certain things get in the way of the grander vision the greater goal and i don't think that exists at the same scale it does in the us internationally very
1: interesting perspective and we do sometimes Meaning, well, get in our own way and trip over ourselves. I oh, know. all
0: the time. My industry is the most guilty of that. Wow. <laughs> we have this conversation all the time. People don't like certain solutions because they're not perfect. They right. say you should not be doing that because it's not it's not perfect. And my perspective on life is I take progress every day over perfection because you're never going to get the perfect solution. There's always going to be someone that's upset there's always going to be someone you know or didn't work out for him exactly or there's always going to be some negative effect of any positive project and so to wait for that perfect solution is just a false hope yeah i agree with you in fact i'll give you a quick
1: anecdote here somebody who i admired a great deal he's long since gone earl nightingale he used to have a show and he used to talk about if a conductor of a train leaving from new york to Los Angeles waited until every light turned green before he left the station. he would never get anywhere yeah, <laughs> and that's he get there.
0: yeah exactly. We can't sit around and wait for perfect. We don't have that kind of luxury.
1: Owen, oh, just to come back to you for a second here, some people may not be familiar with some of the terminology that used acronyms that I know are very familiar to you. Can you please clarify for everybody suC, particularly if they're not in the United States? Yep. CEQA Se-
0: and, and NEPA, something like yeah. that. Please. Yeah, yeah. SEC is a Securities and Exchange Commission. So anytime you want to raise money legally and publicly, it has to be done via an exemption of the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. CEQA is a California Energy, or sorry, California Environmental Quality Act. And NEPA is the National Environmental Policy Act. And so those two things are, I would describe them as, sometimes unnecessary environmental review that can hold up projects from time to time. I think they were started when they were first put into place. I think they were needed. There was a lot of good. But I think now they can actually be used to hold up projects that they originally would have supported. So it's kind of like weaponized bureaucracy. I get you.
1: I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting creation and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers or raise funding, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now, let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Owen, the most important aspect of looking forward is about opportunities. You have been suggesting, Owen, with what you've said already, for example, the fact that Raven can't do it all, you can't do it all. And we know we've got a gargantuan problem, not only in the United States, but throughout the world when it comes to climate change and clean technology and all this other stuff related to that. In your opinion, what opportunities do you believe commercial real estate decarbonization might offer to any of the following groups? You don't have to include all of them. Job and career seekers, entrepreneurs,
0: freelancers, businesses, or investors. So I think for job seekers, it's important to really pay attention to the Inflation Reduction Act. I've already touched on it a little bit, but the Inflation Reduction Act is going to cause solar production to double, storage capacity to double by 2050. Everything is going to have this push for electrification and there's going to be a huge push for energy efficiency. So if people are thinking about what are the job opportunities of the future, I would say there's there's blue collar and there's white collar opportunities in anything that touches any of those sectors. We do not have enough people To install all the heat pumps that need to be installed or install commercial solar, utility scale solar, like storage is another component, electrify buildings, develop electrical infrastructures for EVs, like EV charging stations. We're going to need a huge amount, a huge labor force to do all of that. And then on the white collar side, there's all the analytical skills and project management skills that are going to be needed for those same job categories. So I think that's going to be an absolutely huge opportunity.
1: What you said based on the Inflation Reduction Act, would you say that there are a goodly number of opportunities for jobs with people living elsewhere, like outside yeah. of the United States? Yeah. You would feel the same sort of bullishness about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's the same level of legislation, like legislative momentum, but there's the same momentum. It's just coming from a different place. Okay. And then. Investors, I would say, same thing. Anything that touches electrification, decarbonization, energy efficiency, storage. I don't think you can just put your money into these like asset classes broadly and expect it to go up. But I think there's gonna be winners in all of them. So paying attention to those certain sectors, who's doing what, the Department of Energy has a program called the Loans Program Office, LPO. There's a lot of companies that are getting funding from LPO. Those are probably indicative of Tesla got an LPO loan in its early days and look at Tesla now. That's not to say every company that gets an LPO loan is going to turn into Tesla, but that's a good indicator of one with some early momentum. So I think it's super exciting for job seekers and investors trying to get involved in what I guess I'll just call sustainability more broadly.
1: Okay. How about you mentioned Tom Steyer, the billionaire, and he now has a company and they're doing something very similar to what Raven's doing. Business opportunities. Are there opportunities for entrepreneurs like you, for small businesses, consultants, freelancers? Again, tying into the commercial real estate space and decarbonization, which is what you're really focused on.
0: I think so, yeah. I think the real estate industry is like the oldest industry around, and I think that lends it to there being a huge amount of opportunity for innovation. And that can be innovation and decarbonization. It can be a lot of other innovative opportunities too. But I think for entrepreneurs specifically, a lot of people go live in an apartment building, figure out what you like, what you don't like. There's gonna be a lot of things you don't like. Those to me are all opportunities for entrepreneurs within specifically the multifamily space. But we were talking to someone at, I think University of San Diego, who is trying to do something similar to Raven in the industrial space. So they see the problem of there's a huge amount of warehouses across the country. The vast majority of them don't have solar. Great opportunity for rooftop solar. And so he was trying to come up with a business model to crack that nut. So I think, I mean, across the board, there's a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs. Consultants, I would say the same thing. There's a big push for sort of miles per gallon rating of commercial buildings related to energy consumption. We're seeing it in New York. We see it in California. I think Portland, Oregon just passed legislation for that. And so all of these companies are going to have to figure out how to suddenly adhere to these reporting standards. And that is not, that's not an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing for a consultant to understand and come up for a system for doing a lot harder for a company to just figure out how to do it. So. I think there's a, paying attention to up and coming and recently passed legislation and then developing business models around that is, is a great opportunity for potential consultants. Excellent.
1: Owen, oh, it sounds like from what you're saying here, there's a tremendous amount of opportunities. Are there any companies, you've mentioned Tesla and, and Tom Steyer's company and so forth. Are there any companies that are out there and leading the charge in doing these sorts of things? The other question I would have for you is, There's a lot of opportunity in the United States. You're suggesting that there is opportunity elsewhere. Would that be true again for the entrepreneurs and for the consultants and and investors and that sort of thing who aren't
0: in North America, let's say? Yeah, definitely. To the overseas opportunities first. So what's happening in the U.S. is not specific to the U.S. Across the globe, you can't have a net zero economy if you have gas involved. It doesn't work. Everything needs to be electric, and then the grid needs to be renewable. What's happening in the US with this push for electrification as part of the greater decarbonization strategy is happening everywhere. EVs are taking off everywhere. So, everything related to entrepreneurs and business models around the built environment is a global opportunity. Everything around electrification is a global opportunity. I don't know. about real estate internationally, but I would wager that it's old and not very innovative, similar to the US. So I think there's a lot of opportunity within the real estate specific sector about innovating around decarbonization overseas. For the companies that I find particularly innovative, it's interesting for us because we deploy a lot of different technologies into the buildings that we buy. And so we're constantly discovering different use cases or potential use cases for certain technologies. And so I find the most innovative companies, from my perspective, are the ones that will listen to what we have to say as the ones that are deploying the tech, not the company that's actually building the tech. And so there's two, there's Enphase, which is an inverter company they also make storage. We have really specific demands for what we're trying to do on the software side of our business, because we have certain needs with how we automate our billing to tenants that are using solar that's on top of our buildings, which is a problem specific to us that really nobody else has. Tom Steyer may have it down the road. Enphase has been great to work with. We need help from them to develop our software solution. It's been great. And then another one is this company that we're just starting a relationship with called Ecobee. They make smart thermostats. And so what we're exploring with them is, can we? is there a way that we can entice our tenants to enter into an agreement with us so that we can control their thermostats? Because if we can pay them to control the thermostats within a certain degree, we can help curtail load during the coldest days and hottest days, which are usually the points at which the grid needs the most help. I think I find like the most innovative companies to me are the ones that are open to outside suggestions about different use cases for the technology that they're developing.
1: Yeah. And you know, uh, this is illustrating to me, Owen, as well, is that it's not just the people like you who are deploying these clean technology approaches. There are these ancillary businesses that provide services to you people such as you've alluded to here, that also are and will create opportunities. Yeah. One other comment based on what you said, I'm thinking about the buildings in the United States and what you're doing with those, the existing buildings. My goodness, the buildings that are, say, for example, in Europe and other places are so much older than the buildings that we have here. So the need, I would think, would be tremendous.
0: Yeah, they're probably way more inefficient than the ones that we have here. Probably. Yeah. As you look
1: into the future, which is another aspect of looking forward, just looking through the rest of this decade, anything significant that you want to predict or suggest might happen as we evolve through the rest of the decade is specifically related to the use of clean technology in the commercial real estate space.
0: Yeah, this one's a little bit of a stretch. Have you heard of LK99? No. there's this, new, so superconductivity is like the holy grail of electronics, right? You, you have electrons passing with no resistance. That allows you to have floating cars where there's very little energy to move them. Whether you're talking about EVs or internal combustion, there's almost no energy needed to move these cars because there's no resistance on the road. If you talk about storage, it, you could pack limitless energy into a battery, like now we're really constrained in order to pack a lot of energy. These things need to be massive. And then you run into the space constraints and where you're getting these resources from to build it. And then there's also just transmitting electricity from renewable sites to the end use. There's a massive amount of, of line loss of loss of energy through the transmission and distribution lines. And all of that would go away with superconductivity as well. They've discovered materials that have super conductive qualities but they usually have to be done at really high pressure or really low temperature but these a team of researchers i can't remember where they're from i think it's china supposedly discovered a structure that can be super conductive at room temp and regular atmosphere levels which would be absolutely game-changing wow. they're still trying to figure out if that's like a valid scientific claim but if that's true it's going to be game-changing for everything Just in terms of how electronics are rebuilt, how energy is transported, how people are transported, it's going to be super exciting. So I think that's a a stretch goal to pay attention to the rest of the decade.
1: Yeah, and it sounds from listening to you, you're not anticipating any slowdown in the momentum of addressing problems related to climate change, global warming, clean technology in the commercial real estate space. Does AI fit into any of this? We were hearing so much now about AI. Does that have a place in this?
0: I'm sure it does. I use Chat GPT occasionally for different things, but I'm pretty focused on what we're doing. I'm sure AI is going to pop into the climate change fight yeah. somehow, some way. It probably already has. I'm not familiar with what those business models are. That's another great it kind of sort of intersection of two like exploding industries is AI and clean technology. I'm sure there's opportunities there.
1: Yeah. I'm this LK99. We got to look that up, people. I never heard of LK99. (laughs) Some of you probably did, but I'm sometimes the last to know about some of these things. One of the things that we love to do on Looking Forward, it's so important, is we have a guy like Owen Barrett, and he's giving people information about all these opportunities and trends, but that's not enough. We like to ask our guest experts to give people a couple, three tips. So if I'm going to get involved in the clean technology space if I want to be involved in decarbonization. Again, it could be commercial real estate. Maybe it's something aligned with that. If you were sitting down with somebody, Owen, what might you suggest that they do to either position themselves for that or actually move out of something maybe they're
0: doing and get into it? I think with some of the social media channels like Twitter, or I guess now X, you can really get very like immersed in a ecosystem outside of your day-to-day life relatively easily so i would suggest if people are serious about getting involved in all these different opportunities do it through the channels that make it pretty easy you can start following a couple people that are thought leaders in the space sustainability is a really broad topic so i would say the first thing is narrow down what aspect of sustainability you want to be it could be the built environment It can be electric vehicles. It can be storage. It can be renewables. I mean, there's a lot of... It could be energy efficiency. So figure out your niche within sustainability and then go find some thought leaders in the space and just follow them and read everything they say every single day for four months. And you'll be pretty knowledgeable about that specific industry. I think building up your personal knowledge base makes the transition easier if you do want to change careers or change paths or whatever it may be. And how about for
1: teenagers who are getting ready to go to college or maybe they're in college and like you and like me, we didn't know what we wanted to do. Are there certain courses or majors that might lend themselves to this?
0: Yeah, I would actually take a different spin on that. And I would say, what can you do outside of the classroom that would give you real world experience? Myself in college. I was of the belief that if I got the best grades at school, I would get the best job out of school. That is not true. <laughs> it's just, it's not. You need to understand how to network. That's really important. But even outside of that, getting any kind of real world experience you can, there's a couple organizations. Toastmasters is a great one that helps you become a better public speaker. That's so important today because a lot of Kids particularly are really uncomfortable talking in front of groups. I know I was in college, now doesn't bother me at all. There's other environmental specific ones where you can, if there's not already one on your campus, you can start it. And then some of these have programs where you can do energy audits for small local businesses. Classes are important and you have to get good grades. But I would actually think about everybody's going to take more or less the same classes and get more or less the same grades. So how can you differentiate yourself outside of your GPA? And that's going to be the Toastmasters, these other sort of clubs that you can start or join that gets you some more real world experience. I think those are
1: outstanding tips for different kinds of people. And thank you. And I couldn't agree with you more about the importance of having experiences outside of the classroom that will give you not only greater knowledge, but put you in a better position versus others who don't do that. I know that from my own background where we had students who got involved in radio, which was an interest of mine. And they did better because they had that experience of being involved in radio.
0: It's really complimentary. It shouldn't be like an either or. It's an and. Exactly. So after
1: sharing all this great information, we have to have you share as well, Owen. How can people find out more about you? about Raven, which is spelled R-A-Y-V-E-N, people. So I like the bird. It's R-A-Y-V-E-N. It's a play on words and whatever else that you'd like them to know about.
0: Yeah, so anything Raven related is join Raven, Raven with a Y, -Y R-A-Y-V-E-N. So we're on all the social media channels. Me personally, the only channel that I really use is LinkedIn. So Owen Barrett on there. And you can get in touch with me or LinkedIn through our website, my LinkedIn, whatever, however you want.
1: Well, thanks, Owen, for sharing that and for being a great guest expert on Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers and for everything that you're doing to try to deal with the heat that we're all feeling.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website, www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address, jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.